to this episode of Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. I'm your host, Melanie Burnicle. We're chatting hair health with a conscience, original ideas, mineral and natural products, and sustainability. Yep, one brand that does it all. Please welcome my wonderful guest for today, Josie from O&M. So Josie, like, tell me, you know, when you were a kid, what were your dreams and aspirations? Did you think you'd be on this career path or where did you think you might want to go? Um, well, I think growing up, I never, I never really knew what I wanted to do, but my grandmother in particular was always very inspirational, inspirational to me. And she used to subscribe to Vogue and I can remember going to her house and always being so excited to see uh, the latest Vogue. And she would always talk to me about fashion. And so that sort of got me started. I was always very intrigued with clothes. I felt that they were like art. And then growing up, my mother um, was always had us in health food stores and was always talking about low sugar and um, looking after your body. My father was very sick growing up and he eventually died when I was 17. And so my mother was always like health, health, health. So I think it's sort of a combination of the two. So I initially thought I was going to work in fashion and then... Yeah, I ended up falling into the hairdressing industry and focusing on the health in that area. I love that. And that's, I think, really, yeah, it's, I always love hearing how people sort of bring it in. And, and I think because you've actually got, you know, a really beautiful luxe product and that sort of relates to the luxe fashion that you would have loved as well. Yeah, it's so true. Now, I was like, when we first started, all of the sort of natural low chemical products were in health food stores and they were all green and brown. And I was like, mm-hmm. what about the glamorous women? What about me? I want to use low chemical products, but I want them to look pretty in my bathroom. Yeah, and, they, they uh, need to have a sex appeal to them. He's like, I want to get my hands dirty with these. <laughs> totally. And um, so I think we really had the first sort of clean luxury hair care line. So we started with color and then the hair care, which is all of the shampoos, conditioners, styling products. Yeah, I wanted them to look clean, but also luxury. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you've done an amazing job with that because I've been using the products for a long time. And the bottles, everything, the packaging, it's sexy, but you see that it, it still looks like it's, you know, it's chemical free, which you've got it. I don't know how you did that balance, but it works. <laughs> yeah. So when you first started out with the, um, you know, the ammonia free and the hair color, what, obviously you wanted to go down that health path, but how, like, how did you think, where did it come from that you went, right, well, this has to change and I'm going to be the one to do it? Because <laughs> it's yeah, ballsy. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really know that I was doing it. I think <laughs> what happened was I, um, I had a background in media and marketing and then I met a hairdresser and came to Sydney and started working here in media and then he opened the hair salon and thought that people were going to rush in. And when they didn't, I said to him, do you want me to come and do some marketing? So I started to work there. And the first thing that hit me was I couldn't believe the smell and fumes. It was just like unbelievable. And this was 20 years ago. So then, you know, you know, there was perms and there was color and it was all very smelly. And, um, and I thought, you know, people don't understand what they're breathing in and they don't understand what they're putting on their hair and the long-term health effects of that. And in London, I had been going to a salon, which is where I met my partner, who then became my husband and now is my (laughs) (laughs) ex-husband. I think we've all had a couple of those. (laughs) All the best people have. (laughs) And um, um, so I knew that there were hair hair colours that didn't smell and fume as much. So that was where it started. And also he had very bad contact dermatitis, as did a couple of the apprentices who were shampooing. Their hands would bleed through always being in water and in hair color. So anyway, we started to bring over this ammonia-free hair color from a very small factory in Ireland. And that was how it started. And really, we just wanted it for our own team and our own clients. And and then it sort of snowballed from there. I I did all this marketing around uh, organic salon, ammonia-free. At the time, we had MOP, which was Modern Organic Products. And... And so that was our hair care line. And then we had the color. And I can remember ringing the beauty editor of Vogue every single day, who was Caroline Padash at the time. 
and I would say to her, hey, Caroline, I've got this ammonia-free hair color and I'd love you to try it. And I've got the best hairdressers. And, and she would say to me, no, 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 I've got my own hairdresser. I've been going to her for 10 years. And I would say, okay. And then I would ring her the next day. And she said to me, <laughs> are you going to ring me every single day? And I said, yeah, I am actually. And she said, okay. <laughs> and so she came in and then she did a little write-up in Vogue about this big, about seaweed lightener, which was a, a bleach that we had that was seaweed-based. And from there, we became like the beauty editor's secret. They all started coming. And that was, wow. it's exploded, yeah. I th um, that's amazing. And I think a good lesson out there as well is that persistency. And, and if you're doing it with a smile and it's not, you know, done nastily it's like yeah okay I'm gonna keep calling you fake it till you make it when she came in we had no clients in that day so we got Alan's mum to come in with a good handbag and put it up there and we put a color on her and then we got Wayne our colorist to come in with his mum and a good handbag and she sat there and then there was Caroline from Vogue and then when Wayne had put her color on he went outside and he started to make phone calls to me and I made fake appointments oh my god we were pretending to book people in. It was so good. You know, you totally just have to fake it to make it. It's a total myth that entrepreneurs generally have an amazing plan and it's well thought out. Most people do it as a side hustle, I think, and they're just having a go. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think you, you also bringing something different to the market, changing people's mindset and perception. Like the first thing I think people would think was, is the hair color going to work if, you know, if it doesn't have all these things, which I've been told it needs to have. Yeah. I mean, and then so changing perception and changing mindset. Yeah. So we were pioneering and that's why the brand is called original and mineral because we were the original pioneers of ammonia free hair color. And exactly that, like when we first started selling it to other salons, which was about eight years later, I would walk into a salon and I would say, hey, my hair's an ammonia-free high-lift blonde. And they would go, no, it isn't. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you can try it. You're the expert. You tell me what you think. And then when they tried it, they'd be like, wow, how does it do that? Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I was like, well, you know, it's kind of, that's the secret herbs and spices. <laughs> but yeah. it's got no ammonia. It's got no smell, no fume. So, yeah, and... and to, to be honest, it was an insane, it's been an insanely rocky road for the last 12 years, which has mainly been around product because when you're trying to do something that you've never, never been done before, even though we didn't really realize we were pioneering, we pretty much made every mistake that you can think of along yeah. the way. Um, and, but they were all the biggest learnings, but it was, it's definitely not been without its pain, but that's yeah. still part of it. Can you, um, could you talk me through maybe like one of the so-called mistakes and I like to call them a mistake from the, you know, film industry, <laughs> take one, you know, Norman doesn't come together first go around. So how do you keep your energy up and how do you know that you're on the right path and keep moving forward? And if you could talk us through a bit of a scenario of something that was a bit of an epic failure and how you kind of got to the next phase to move forward. I'd love that to hear a story. <laughs> so, um, so we were producing in this small factory in Ireland and we had the hair color and it was really good. And then because we were, you know, quite a small brand, I was very surprised at the amount of phone calls that I would get from people saying to me, is the color PPD free? And I was like, what's PPD? And then I Googled it and there's pages and pages of people having reactions and going into anaphylactic shock. To what does PPD stand for? Just for people so who don't know. It's called, it's paraphenyldiamine. But basically what it is, is it's brown hair dye. So, so if you Google PPD, it, yeah, it's brown hair dye. And so if you imagine um, the highest concentration of brown is in the darkest colors, right? So, so hair, hair color goes from black is number one, nine is number blonde, and it goes in between. So wow. in the dark colors have a higher concentration of PPD. But 80% of our business is gray coverage. It's people with brown hair that the white comes through and then they need it covered. So most people, well, you're going the other way. You're lifting out like me. Just wait till you go gray. You'll be happy yeah. because your roots don't really show. Anyway, so <laughs> I thought, oh, I must take this PPD out. 
that's terrible that people are having these reactions. And also, I bet mm. that becomes known later to be a carcinogen. I bet they later on say that's going to cause cancer. So I made it my mission to take it out. So I moved from a manufacturer in Ireland to a big manufacturer in America who had made a massive multinational hair care line, hair color line. And I thought, wow, if they did that and they said to me, we can take it out. So I worked wow. with them for four years and we had so many product problems. We had um, 100,000 units of color, uh, color, for want of another word, better word, they went off, they oxidized. So the tube, the metal wasn't, when they crimped it over, the um, glue wasn't tight enough and air started to get in and they oxidized. Uh, we had separating oh color, like literally everything that could possibly happen. And it was because we were taking out PPD and resorcinol and ammonia and we were trying to get the same result. So yeah. that, that, it was a very tough time and the business nearly went under three times. In actual fact, I had a business partner at the time who multiple times took me into a room and told me that I was unstable, unfit to run the company. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was mainly because we were having all these product problems. But every time it happened, all I felt was that the universe was sending me a signal to re-strategize. I don't know why, but I never, I always believed that it was going to be possible. And I thought, why not me? Why couldn't I do it? Why not? And I just genuinely believed that hair color would become a health choice like food. Yeah. So I think that the trick is, is that when you, when something sort of negative happens, if you see it from what, what do I need to learn? What could I do differently? If I knew then what I know, know now, what would I do? Um, so I just always saw it like that. Uh, uh, and I didn't beat myself up. Even though other people were beating me up, I would go, well done, Josie. You try really hard. <laughs> well done. Even when you're failing, you yeah. try really hard. And then I also think, you know, what girls have got is we do have hair and makeup and clothes. And I used to use that a lot. I would just pick myself up, dust myself up, put a cute outfit out on and come out in front of the team and tell them what we were going to do next. I love that. I think just having that confidence and knowing that you are trying to do something great and just not giving up on that and knowing that it's just a hurdle rather than, you know, a big full stop. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, and I listen to a lot of other entrepreneurs as well. And um, uh, every entrepreneur has had massive ups and downs. They have. If you spoke to Richard Branson, he would have a litany of failed companies. I mean, you look at what's happening to Virgin Australia now. It's like, yeah. you know, it, yeah, they have. And it's just that they have faith in themselves and keep going and they re-strategize. But I think it's really important to be able to re-strategize and work out how you get over the hurdle rather than allowing it to stop your journey altogether. And, you know, you've got to leave part of that, you know, oh, I could have done this. Or you've got to leave that behind and work out what's in front of you and how you're going to get there. Yeah. Blaming anyone, including yourself, never got anyone anywhere. All it did, yeah. you know, is, and fear is the opposite of action. So being too afraid is, it's just, yeah, you, you, you can't, you've just got to be your own best friend. But if you, if you boil it down to one thing, cause I've done a massive amount of, um, uh, self-development and, um, yep. been on, I've done a lot of tree hugging and been on various courses. Great, isn't it? <laughs> but it really all comes down to your beliefs. So I genuinely believed that hair color was going to become a health choice and that I needed to do something about it. That was my small piece of the universe. Um, yep. and, and I believed it was possible. So we're yeah. all fulfilling our beliefs. Like if you believe that life's hard, you're never gonna have any money, then that's what will happen. If you yeah. believe that you must pay your rent and you know you must do certain things, then you'll just do whatever's on the must list. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, I often say to people, the trick is to get out of your own way. Mm. We're all getting in our own way. We're all thinking 100%. of why not, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice for anybody. And I think sometimes when you are in business alone, you've got to get out of your own head, like throw, like, <laughs> you know, if your head's 
give playing havoc with your your positive mindset you've got to get out of it and look at the bigger picture and start to strategize like you said and just know what's the end goal and just keep you know chugging along to get there yeah that's right and whilst you're along the way the goal might change slightly do you know what yep. i mean like you might go oh actually i could do that and that would be better but you're still you're you're moving towards that yeah now i wanted to go back to um you know when you're saying people were developing anaphylactic reactions from hair yeah. color now that's been me now i now i work in the industry so you would think now i'm not a hairdresser by trade but i style hair for shoots so you would think that i would have thought that your scalp weeping and bleeding after having you know scalp bleach I was like beauty is pain that's normal and it was progressively getting worse each time but I still had no idea that this was moving into an anaphylactic reaction so this was going on for a couple of years and it was getting worse then I started with a rash like on my face and on my body and I was like oh I feel really hot and then as soon as they'd wash the bleach off my scalp would be weeping and bleeding for another two weeks. But I'm like, oh, yeah, my hair color looks all right. Um, and then it got to a point where I moved to a different salon and basically I had no problem. So the bleach that they were using was um, now okay. So I was like, okay. So I got about four, maybe four colors out of that bleach before again I started to get, it starts off with like stabbing pains. And um, so it starts off with stabbing pains in my armpits and in my fingers. And then all of a sudden I'm covered in welts and my face is out here. And so now what I found even walking into a salon and I start to smell all of those chemicals, I almost, and I don't know if it's my body reacting and it's really sensitized or if I'm actually almost starting to panic because it got to a point where it's quite a scary moment. And then it wasn't until someone said, you realize that this is an anaphylactic reaction. And because I was like, oh, I'll leave the hair color on for a bit. <laughs> it's still gold, quick. <laughs> it's yeah, not blonde enough. And they're like, babe, we've got to get you under. They said, how long has this stuff been going on? I said, oh, it's progressively been getting worse for a couple of years. They said, other people should have told you that this is what's happening. I said, well, they didn't. And I just thought this was normal. So, scary. So what, what's the last color? Was that bleach the last one you had? So what I have to do now is literally have my whole head foiled so that it doesn't touch the scalp. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, you know, um, you know, just to explain for anyone that was watching the PPD reaction is people using brown and what you're doing mm. is you're lifting color out of your hair and you're using bleach, which is, you know, you need bleach to lift color out. I mean, it, we have yeah. been doing it for years. So we have ammonia-free bleaches that you could certainly try. And, you know, we would love to do your hair. And, you know, we can talk about you coming into the O&M space. <laughs> yeah, uh, it definitely uh, needs. I'm trying to make it look cool. But um... it's working. It's working. Liar. Um, liar. <laughs> um, well, you could do what I do. See, I actually cut my roots out on the picture. You see, on the Zoom, you can't see them. Maybe, maybe I need to be taller. <laughs> Um, but what you're saying that you're doing is a sort of sensible option, doing foils which go very close to the scalp but don't quite touch. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we get pregnant women or people with scalp sensitivities who are really, really worried, we would suggest the same. So I definitely think you've been suggested the same thing. Yeah. And we see as well, on scalp bleaching creates a lot of heat, the heat from your scalp. And then yep. the pores are open and there are lots of factors that can influence scalp irritation. Like if you've drank a coffee before you came in or whilst you're there, because that stimulates the scalp, open the pores. If it was hot and you ran in and your pores were open, you're a bit sweaty. You're going to get, it's going to be worse. Do you know, oh, I've never, never really thought of, like I know like when I'm getting laser hair removal, they always don't have stimulants like is it a coffee yeah. um, and don't do that because you'll be a little bit more sensitive. So I didn't actually think about your scalp because I don't see it. So I don't think about it. Yeah, but it's exactly the same. So all of those things will make it worse. Um, so what we talk about with O&M is it's a safer alternative. It's got no smell, no fume. So we bought all of the available research with people having anaphylactic reactions. And the substitutes that we use for PPD are 50%, they are 50% less likely to cause a reaction. So what oh, yeah. we say is patch test, you know, yep. So, but what I'm finding is that people are more into prevention rather than just reacting when they've got a problem as well. So yeah. 
there's a growing number of people that are just they want to use more low chemical products so that's the biggest growth market for us and then but we are having people that haven't been able to color their hair for a long time who then are able to successfully color their hair with O&M. How exciting because I've been coloring my hair since I was 16 and um, 43 now and I'm just like you just give me that color. Someone said why don't you just go natural? I looked at them the other day and I said do you know who you're talking to? Are we friends? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how long have you known me? <laughs> I, I, I know. You know what? You will actually, because I'm about 50% grey now, and you will actually be happy when you go grey because then you can just have the highlights. That's what I do. And you yeah. you don't really get a massive amount of root because they're so yeah. grey. Yeah, I've got a couple, but surprisingly, I thought I would have had a few more by now. There's a couple in the front, and I was convinced for about three days of boredom in COVID that it was my natural blonde coming through <laughs> when I was a child. <laughs> delusional maybe a glass of wine too many <laughs> um well i think one thing that we've been talking about at the moment as well is um having my audience sort of understanding their purpose and you know the drive for their business and i think your your message is super clear can you just sort of define that in maybe a sentence on your brand's purpose or key messaging that's constantly being delivered so that people build and you know that builds brand trust and people they come to you because they do trust your brand yes thank you so i think um you know i really wanted to build a clean luxury hair care brand that had really good ethics behind it in philosophy we've all been always been very upfront about what we leave out and why, and, and that we always believed that hair color was gonna become a health choice like food or makeup or cleaning products. And, um, and that people can trust us. You know, we are, uh, they, call, they call us like a discovery challenger brand. So we're sort of, people can connect with us. They can talk to me directly on Instagram um, or anywhere, you know, and they can, they can trust us and we are, constantly working on new ways to reduce harsh chemicals in hair, hair care and hair color. And, um, and you know, I'm in love with the brand. I think if you look at all the best brands, somebody was in love with it, you know, particularly at the beginning and, and yeah, I'm over everything and yeah, I'm in love with it. So. I love that. I love it. Um, I remember when I first started using your products on set on other people and so Three that I've had in my kit for a really long time now are the Rudelicious, the Surf Bomb, and the Atomic Thickener because they're things that I love for my hair. So then I was using them on people, and I, the, one of the things that a lot of clients struggle with in your chair, regardless of celebrity or you know whoever you're shooting, um, is just getting volume in the hair. And I love a bit of volume because I've got quite fine hair. The bleach had helped, but you know, um, but yeah. So when I use the products, one thing that people always would say is that a they love the hairstyle. What products did I use? They smell good. And then I'd always throw in, you do realize like it's original and mineral. And so there's a lot of natural products. There's less chemicals and this. And people generally didn't believe me that they could actually get the good end result without the chemical process. Was that, again, like I guess when you move from the hair color through to the hair styling products, is that something that you're always re-educating people on, that there are alternatives that do really function well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think originally the biggest myth that we had to overcome was that sulfate-free shampoos didn't foam. So that was the biggest thing. And that also sulfate-free shampoos could feel like luxury. So I remember I used to get like Kerastase and other like luxury products. I put it on this side and then I put O&M on this side and I'd say to the chemist, see this? See this feeling? That's what I want. And they would go, you're crazy but you don't want any parabens, propylene, glycol. I would go, yeah, yeah, I don't want any of that because I've got what we call the zero list, zero of these chemicals. Um, but so I think number one, technology's moved on. And also I think people have realized that the high chemical products are just really cheap to make and that um, more natural products are, and clean products are more expensive to make. So you kind of get what you pay for, but it is actually coming into line now because there are so many more natural products. The raw materials are becoming less expensive, so the product can be more affordable. But yeah, we've been fighting a lot of those myths for years. And that was partly why we made the packaging look so luxury because mm. we've, so, we've got two types of customer. One that just goes, oh, wow, I love that brand. I love it. it's cool, it's the smells and it's great on my hair. And then the other one who's like, 
oh, it's free of all these chemicals that I don't want to use, it's Australian, you know. So I think we managed to hit kind of both markets. And I think in particular, the hairdresser was very used to high chemical products. And because our main distribution is through hair salons, they needed to love it first and feel that it was going to work. So if it works in a hairdressing salon, it works enough to use at home because hairdressers are incredibly picky and critical. And I mean, I get some of the best feedback ever in hair salons from hairstylists because they're so opinionated. Yeah, um, yeah no so one's short of a word either. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Yeah, but what great, you know, at least you know from hands-on people that work with product, they work with hair and you're getting the best feedback to ensure that you've got amazing products going out, not just to the hairdressers, but to the consumer. Yeah, totally. No, when I, I love going into hair salons. So um, I spend probably 30 to 40% of my time in hair salons with hairdressers. Uh, and I say to them, oh, tell me what you don't like. And then I go, oh, what else have you got in here? Can I go in your back room? What are you using? What have you got? What have you got from other brands? And they just yeah. laugh at me. But, you know, and I think because I worked in, in, on the reception of our hair salon for nine years, I know what it's, I've got a lot of empathy for hair salon owners. I know what it's like to work nine Christmases as a hairdresser, as a receptionist, whatever. I yeah. know what it's like, you know, so, and I know that the product's got to be good. It's got to arrive fast. You know, it, it's got to be easy to explain to the clients. It's got to work. They don't yeah. have time for messing around. Yeah. When you, um, when you're, looking to develop either a new product to bring to market or um, how, what would you say the time frame is from say concept and then working through, like I'm sure each product's different, but at the same time, if you were creating a new styling product, generally what would you say your process is and like how long would that take to get it from up in here to out to all of us? Yeah, so um, I drive uh, most of my team crazy because I get an idea and then I get really excited. I want to do it now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can just do that now. But really, <laughs> officially, it should take about nine months. Um, and But we, we sometimes can do it in about six. But basically, you know, you get your initial idea. You see your gap in the range. You feel passionate about what you want to do. And then, you know, the perfect combination of marketing is 60 to 70% looking at what everyone else is doing and then 30 to 40% your own ideas. Because let's face it, we're not reinventing the wheel. You know, there's lots of hair care lines out there, lots of hair color lines. We're just doing it within our own philosophy. So it's important to know who your customer is and who your competitors are and what they're doing. So there's always that bit of analysis at the beginning. And then it's like, what's the function of the product? What are we leaving out? Does it fit with the brand philosophy? And then we work with a chemist now, but initially, we used to work with the chemists at the factory, but we have our own chemist now. And then, you know, they will start, we'll start the sampling process. And only when you're, we're hundred percent happy with the product, uh, the goo as we call it, which is obviously what goes inside the packaging, can we then do the packaging? And the packaging generally takes uh, three to four months. Wow. Yeah, so it's quite a long time and it's, and it's a lot yeah. longer. And then the minimum runs are big on packaging. We have all custom packaging. Um, so it does take a lot longer. And I think if somebody was wanting to start their own product range, knowing then what I know now and, and seeing the world the way it is, I would start with one product. Yep. You've got a hammer and a nail and I would hit that one product. Whereas I started with about 120 and then went up to 160. <laughs> I just wanted to make your life easy, did you both? <laughs> But now I would just go one product, I would hero it, I would hit that, I would get traction with it, and then I would bring other things after it. Coming from a marketing background as well, how much have you found that marketing's changed around your brand with the inclusion of um, digital marketing and everything from probably when you started out to now? Like what's, where do you probably focus your main part of your marketing campaigns? Yeah, I mean, totally, it has changed so much. I was thinking about it the other day. When we first started the salon, we used to do mail drops on different colored bits of paper so we knew which area people had come from. And um, That's really yeah. clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did, we did email marketing, but it was literally just an email that people could forward. 
Um, and now obviously everything has changed so much. I mean, I think social media has really changed the world and it's changed the opportunity for brands and individuals to become overnight successes. You know, I think mm -hmm. building an actual brand takes longer uh, that's got real longevity. But um, yeah, so now we mainly focus, like social media is a massive focus for us, content, the way that we re reach our customer is so different, whether it's the salon owner or the consumer. We do so much more video now and, and content is so fast moving. Whereas even four years ago, we used to do big campaigns where we would spend a lot of money. And now we're looking to do with lots of small campaigns. And we work with brands, fashion brands like Basic and P Nation and uh, various other brands by Johnny. And we do like 12 shoots for them a year where we do the hair. So we're definitely in content and we see a lot of our leads generating through social media. And then number one for us as well is email marketing. So people- right, That's who really works well for you. Yeah, so we recently hired a digital marketing manager about six months ago and she's made a tremendous difference to the business. She really looked at um, where we were appearing on search engines and the way the back end of the website was set up with keywords in order to us to get the right people coming through. And that's made a massive difference. And I said to her in the interview, because she worked um, for a very big media company and was in charge of their digital. And I said, what, what's number one for if you do Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, YouTube, Google, what's number one? And she said, email marketing. She said, invest in an email marketing program. Now, yeah. we were using, um, oh, I can't remember now, a free one for years and years, which was absolutely fine for the size of the business. And now we're using Campaign Monitor, which is still not crazy expensive. I can't remember. It's a subscription. But they're just so sophisticated now, the way that they can split up your database um, and then they can also retarget people work with your website like it, it's it's digital all the way like it really yeah. is the, and and actually it's much less money than it used to be in the, the old days to do an ad you know mm. like, yeah we're well, putting an ad into a magazine that was a fortune and yeah. you were hitting so many different types of people even if it was in the paper like it just you know it's not direct target marketing yeah it's it's so true and it's um um yeah, it's just a different world, the way influencers work um, and yep. anyone can be an influencer. And, and then there's now the whole controversy between paid influencers and micro influencers. And so I think we're going to see, particularly after COVID, we're going to see a massive shift in that as well, because people don't want to see people in the Hamptons, you know, um, doing uh, isolating by the pool with a cocktail. You know, yeah. you know I've... Every, every person I've spoken to either on the interview series that we've started doing or um, in, you know, I was about to say in reality, like when I'm talking with real people, um, but it's just been one of those things. And a lot of people have said they're so over at the moment seeing a bit of BS and they just want to know if you're actually using the product, how the bloody hell are you using it? And, you know, something that's honest and real and, you know, everything where it's just being, where you're just being paid to do something because it's a money maker. I think a lot of people just haven't been interested in that during this time. Sometimes it's all right to look at the fairy stuff and it's what I call it, you know, it's all like, oh, it's all pretty. But during this time, I just found myself, even people that I like, I just couldn't deal with, oh, I'm doing this and look at this. And I just like delay, delay. And I just... And I don't know if I was just frustrated with the whole situation in life or if I just, I just wanted something authentic and just someone that I knew wasn't selling me something and it was something that they were actually using or doing. And it felt, I just needed something honest that felt like I had some control over goodness going on in my world. Yeah, I think people need to connect and I think that's the power of social media for business. Mm. I also think, you know, like I'm obviously reasonably dressed up today and, you know, I've done so many videos since COVID-19 started where I've said, you know, I had to reduce my payroll by 39%. I had to, all of my, my whole team went down to four days a week uh, as part of that to try and keep as many people on. I had to let go of some casual people. You know, like we've had 
you know, distributors from ours around the world ringing us, telling us what's going on in Europe. And we've got 11 people in lockdown in New York who have been in lockdown now for nearly two months. And they go, they work in our New York Academy and they go, you know, every 10 days to the supermarket. Like they, we've got no idea what goes no. on. But, but I still want to get up and feel good. And I believe that we're going to come out positively out of this i think that the world is going to be a different place and so i've spent the last couple of months re-strategizing yeah. um but you know i still want to feel good and yeah i think yeah there's you know we don't have anything to moan about right that we we're so lucky particularly in australia we really um, are but yeah i do think that the way that what people want to see they do want to see more authentic content yeah i 100 percent agree with you and i think um yeah, to see what else goes on in the rest of the world. And I think you're so right after this, everyone's going to be re-strategizing if they're not doing so already and really thinking about how the structure of their business will be and, and on a global scale because, you know, look at your business. It, it's a global business and, you know, yes, Australia's okay at the moment and we're, the hair salons are reopening as we speak. So that's positive. But around the rest of the world, that's still going to be a hard slog for them. And the fact that you're still thinking about how can I keep this going and how can I look after people even when, you know, it's, it's a hard thing at the moment. It's a really nice thing to know that you care so much about the people that work and keep your business going. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're so, you know, we've to the hair salons that are our customers, we've been offering extended terms or like really long payment plans. And, you know, I've been calling lots of them, you know, we've, we've done affiliate programs where hairdressers can send, their customers to our website and then get a commission on the product sale, you know, and we started a support our salons and SOS program. And then we've been doing wellness content. Oh my mm. God. They've had me doing zoom workouts twice a week. And <laughs> we've been doing like essential oils at home and like various wellness contents and meditating. We do tapping. I'm like obsessed with tapping. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I think what I would like people to realize is that, People like me with a great business don't, it just doesn't happen easily, right? And, and even every day, I, I say it takes me at least an hour to get over myself. You know, I have to do my morning routine, which is I meditate, I do EFT tapping, which is a, a clinically proven um, psychology, psychologically unblocks, um, they're the tapping points, it unblocks uh, any blockages basically. And uh, you can follow it on YouTube. There's a very good guy called Brad who does a whole tapping channel. But and, and then you I just type in Brad tapping. Yeah, Brad tapping. He'll come. You can tap for money. Money flows easily into my life. I've always got money. And oh, you can tap for anything. I'm tapping. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? People shouldn't be afraid to ask the universe. It goes back to your beliefs. Like you've got to believe that you're, you're worthy of success and money or whatever. And it's not going to make you into a bad person. In fact, there's a lot of good you can do with it. That's right. So, yeah. So it takes me about an hour to get over myself and then get myself going for the day. It just does. The yeah. same as everyone else. And the same. Some days I don't want to get up. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And thanks for being honest as well with that, because a lot of people just, you know, it's this, bit of a facade and it's nice just to know what different people do to kind of get their day going as well and it's different for everyone but it's just always nice to learn something new yeah well my psychologist who I speak to every week says to me it's all about the morning routine it's all about how you start your day and that she had a client who was a billionaire and she said it was all about the morning routine and then also she calls it mapping your day like in the morning you wake up and you go right, this is what I've got to do with my day. But, but what you need to do is put some positive stuff in there as well, not just, you know, all of these chores that you've got to do. And then meditating, the great thing about meditating is you're basically allowing space for new experiences because your mind is constantly full of, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But when you meditate, you clear everything out. And I find that when I meditate, always good things happen to me because I've allowed the space for other, other information to come in. I wanted to just go back in and sort of chat again with O&M and some of the sustainability practices that you're putting into your business. Like for me, I think what you're doing is sort of hair health with a conscience and like to do sustainability within your packaging, within your product, with everything, within your business um, structure, 
it's expensive. And the fact that you're investing in that to create a beautiful future, could you tell us like, is it people should just start or do they need to get to a certain point to be able to do it? Or how did you start going on that sustainability journey and where does it go from here? <laughs> yeah, so that's, it's been a big one that we've been planning over the last 12 months. I think, yeah, as you said, like health was kind of the primary, um, you know, driver behind O&M. And so now we're very much looking at sustainability as part of that as well. And, um, um, we looked quite a lot. The EU came out and made a whole bunch of promises of, of things that they're going to do um, by, I think it's 2028. So it's their sustainable development goals. So we looked at which of those ones that we could meet and we're sort of in process at the moment, but the ones that we think we're going to meet and we're actually working on our timeline at the moment is gender equality. So, I mean, if, if anything, Hairdressing is a more female skewed industry and we did a whole survey of um, because, you know, like there's still like less than 6% of boards have women on them. That like There's still a lot of gender inequality and it is changing. But even within our own database, 70% of the salon owners that we deal with are women. So hairdressing is actually doing a lot for gender equality and women owning their own businesses. Um, so that's one that was really important to us. And then um, another of the EU's sustainable development goals is uh, decent work and economic growth. And so we're, you know, we're building a solid business that, that provides decent work for people and economic growth within our category. And then eco products so, and biodegradable products. So what we're looking at is, so all of O&M, it was supposed to be by the end of this year, with COVID, it might be slightly pushed back, but it's all going into ocean waste recycled packaging. So, so that was really important to us that we wanted to be able to do that. Um, and then we are also doing FSC uh, uh, certification on all of our paper goods. So basically it's this body and what they do is they approve certain suppliers that the, um, the papers are coming from renewable resources um and that they fit within the ethics so it's all fully sustainable so those are all things that we're looking at at the moment and we're moving towards so i think if i was starting again i can tell you that ocean recycled plastic or recycled plastic even if you don't do ocean waste um is it is a bit more expensive it's about 50 percent but packaging wow. is at the lower end of the cost do you know what i mean like the, the biggest cost is the fill if you're using a quality product the packaging is not so and you know stuff like this recycled paper um you know they're all very easy easy things that you can do right now um yeah, yeah i mean i noticed lots of fashion brands are doing it one of the eu sustainable goals is around water you know preserving water because water is actually one of the biggest threats to the planet with resources and um um, you know, so there's like water-free makeup brands now and, um, yeah. yeah. How have I missed that one? <laughs> oh, yeah, there is. In the UK, I'll send you, I was reading about it because I'm always looking at what other people are doing. Yeah, I'd love to have a bit of a read. I just think, you know, the future of our planet is really important and for our children. Um, and, you know, I personally have been around a lot of cancer in my life and, um, I just, I believe that environmental toxins that we are open to are causing chronic disease and people don't realize it. Um, so I think- I 100% agree with you. Um, I, yeah, I think with the, the toxic chemicals, because they've been around for such a long time, people haven't been aware that they aren't great for you. And I think it's only sort of been coming out in however long, but. I actually was doing makeup on this amazing woman for a, a magazine and she was a, um, a toxics expert. And this would have to be at least eight years ago. And she, I went to use um, a dry shampoo on her and it wasn't your brand. Um, I was using a dry shampoo and I just needed to, to get some volume. And, and she basically, when I went to spray it, she said, oh, do you mind if we walk outside? And I said, oh, why? She said, well, look, we're in a really confined space and it's a highly toxic product. Dry shampoo was one of the most highly toxic products. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. I never thought about that. I just hadn't thought about it. And, um, and then she started 
she said, oh, I can give you a little bit of information if you like. And she was explaining to me that some of the work that she had done, a lot of people, she said, how many friends have you got in the hairdressing industry? And, you know, have they had a lot of trouble conceiving? Have they had a lot of trouble doing a lot of things? So she, what some of the research they'd done, the correlation between hormones, the chemicals, the fragrances and the chemicals and, you know, and all of this. And she said that, you know, those products are highly toxic and, that's, it wasn't not long after that I'd come across your products because of what she'd said. And then it really started to make a difference and just that education. And did you, had you, do you hear of that, you know, in, I, I don't know, I'm only going from what she said with, you know, the toxicity and, you know, other yeah. people, but have you found that in the hair industry? Yeah. Well, for instance, in the, um, in the, in Europe, and our products are all EU compliant, there's over 2000 chemicals that are banned. And in America, there's four. What? America is very unregulated. And, you know, the thing is, is that particular with hair color, the UK Cancer Council came out in 2016 and said, if you color your hair with PPD, which is the dark hair dye I was telling you about, you're 15% more likely to get breast cancer. And there was actually been a study that's just been done in the US last year that's linked hair color to breast cancer. And they also cited hairdressers as 40% more likely to get bladder cancer. So to be honest, the reason oh. why the O&M business is growing so fast is that hair color became a health choice. And so yeah. people are becoming more aware of it. And, and it's the same with, um, it's the same with uh, products in, you know, uh, you know, other chemicals that we use. And, and there are lots of websites now that can give you ratings and, yeah, I mean, we're coming across it all, all the time. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's... I love that. I love that before it became a trend and before all the people knew about this, you trusted your gut and you created something and just yeah. took that stance and like, no, I'm going to do something good. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, even in 2015, the company was not in good shape and then I did the, the hair colour again and, um, and then 2016 was when, when it exploded, which was around this time that the Cancer Council came out and said the same thing. Wow. Yeah, so it's timing as well. I think timing was good in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and your persistence as well. Like I think yeah. you know, it's so gutsy when people are saying, shut the doors, don't do this, don't do that. And you're just like, no, there's goodness in this and I believe in what I'm doing and just had enough balls to keep going, which is brilliant and i'm sure most people's heads are grateful and the rest of their body <laughs> thank you oh, oh josie that's been an amazing chat you know in regards to everything sustainable and hair health and you know being conscious about your decisions all right perfect so um just to sort of finish off we're going to do our one minute makeup quiz okay. are you ready yeah i am i'm <laughs> excited okay so favorite beauty campaign of all time I'm actually obsessed with the Glossier campaign that came out last year that's called Feels Like Glossier. It's amazing. They did, they got ordinary people, people that work for them. And yeah, and it was a fantastic campaign. Favorite makeup product under 25 bucks. Okay, so it's a Glossier product as well. I actually brought it down with me. It's this cloud paint. I've got it on my lips and my cheeks. It's a tint. This is haze. And what would be your favorite product over 25 bucks? I'm obsessed with this Kevin Orkine bronzer. So it's yeah. like a cream. I like creams. I can mix it with my foundation or my tinted moisturizer and it, it basically just gives me a bit of a glow. Uh, if you had to choose one shade of lippy, what would it be? I'm really just into the soft pinks. I like soft pink lip color. I wear a lot of Lana lips and she's got a rhubarb one that I really like. Yeah, I like glosses and yeah, pink. Yeah, favorite beauty icon? Bridget Bardot, I just, I'm obsessed with her hair and the makeup and the eyeliner. And she had that California wave before anyone did, before it was cool. Yeah, I loved her. Yeah. Signature fragrances throughout the decades. I was actually trying to remember back to my 20s. And then I started, and I remembered CK1, Kate Moss. I was obsessed with Kate Moss and I was wearing, it was the first unisex fragrance. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, so I was wearing CK1 in my 20s. Yeah. And then in my 30s, I was wearing Joe Malone. I actually am a real rose fan. Um, and so I was wearing Joe Malone red roses. Uh, my grandmother used to wear rose as well. And then now I'm wearing this one, this Frederick Marle lipstick rose. Favorite haircut or color you've ever had? 
Okay, so for years, I had this very sharp bob that was very blonde with a fringe. And if you Google me, it was my trademark, it was everywhere, I loved it. Um, so that was probably my favorite. It, I had it for a long time. And people always say to me, you've got to get the fringe, but you've got to go back to straight. But you could really only see like this amount of my face. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that guys prefer the wave. Anyway, so I'm <laughs> trying the wave. Worst hair cuddle color you've ever had. Yeah, when I first came to Australia, I had like a bowl that was like brown, kind of mousy, but it was like really round here and really brown. And there's still pictures online, so bad. What would be a skincare product that you cannot live without? Okay, I'm obsessed with oil. So, and I, I there's a New Zealand product called Sans, which means without. And they've got an oil called Activator 7, and it's a body and face oil but I use it on my face twice a day. And the base of it is like olive oil, jojoba oil. I mean, when I put it on, I'm, I'm like an oil slick, but it's the best. I love oh, it. Those charms, yeah. What would be the best beauty tips so either hair, skincare, makeup that you've ever been given? Um, I really think that, I was thinking about this, that, that color, what I realized is when you've got fine hair like me, color gives texture. So that's why I need to be blonde. And when my roots get big, my hair kind of goes lank. So I definitely, that's my best hair tip is that color gives texture. And then I also learned a few years ago that cream is better on middle-aged faces than too dry. So I, that's why I like tinted moisturizers, cream blushes. So I tend to not be afraid of shine. Go to nail color. So I go either nude, but mainly I like Lincoln Park. I like that blood red, looks sort of a bit like black. Favorite 90s makeup product? Oh, glitter. I was like anything glitter on the arms, on the eyes, eyelids, like just glitter. <laughs> uh, if you could only have one product in lockdown, what would it be? Um, it would have to be a tonic, which is our thickening spray because Honestly, I am so depressed if my hair is flat and I can even spray that in and let it dry naturally and it won't be completely flat because my hair is literally, literally poker straight very fine. So it's gotta be a thickening product. In three words or less, what does beauty mean to you? I was thinking about this too. I was thinking it means empowerment, uh, confidence, and it means love. I think there's self love in beauty and looking after yourself. Yeah. Oh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I love it. Josie, thank you for sharing all your amazing business tips and tricks and your journey with us and um and our fun little beauty quiz. <laughs> so much. I've loved it. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. I'm Melanie Burnicle. Until next time. <laughs>